So this morning with the baby dedication, I asked all of you guys to make a commitment to the parents that stood up here. This is, this is a similar commitment that I ask when I'm doing a wedding. So when, when, when we're doing a wedding and the couple is standing before me and they're, they're taking their vows, I always turn and there's a section of the ceremony that I ask the, the, the participants of the, of the wedding to make a commitment, to make an agreement together with the couple standing up here. So we asked, we asked that you would make a commitment. And what you were doing when you made that commitment was you were, you were agreeing and committing to, to join a community of people that would, would rally around the parents of, of, that stood up here and, and your family and friends, and you would be committed to praying for them, to encouraging them, and, 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 to, and to helping them to raise their, their children. And, but you were joining a community of people that, that said, we will do this. And as I, as I thought about that, as I thought about the idea of community, here's what I realized. I realized that we are all members of many, many communities. If, if you think about it, if, if you live in a neighborhood, especially if your neighborhood is, if you're really rich and you have that one of those gated neighborhoods, then you're really in a community. But if you're, if you're in a neighborhood, like we live in a neighborhood that has an association. So because we have an association, we have a governing board that tells us what we can and cannot do. And I, I really love them. And, um, and, and, you know, we're, but we're part of this community and part of the agreement that we made as a community moving into this neighborhood is that we would, you know, upkeep our, our, our yards. We won't let the, you know, cars set on blocks out in front of the yard. And, and we, you know, we'll, we'll mow and our dogs won't run free. And so we've made this commitment to this community in our neighborhood. If you're part of the YMCA or if you're part of a gym, you've made a commitment to a community of people that say we're, we're going to get together. And, we're, and when we come together, we all have one thing in common. We're going to, to work out. We're going to be... Try and be healthy. There's all these different communities, if you think about that, you're involved in. And, and then there's, there's all the online social communities that you're involved in. Think about this. There's, there's over 100 communities online that are active today that have more than a million people active in their communities, in their, in, in, on their website. Does anybody, can anybody guess what the, the biggest online community is? Can you guess what it would be? What's that? Twitter, no. This is a real easy one. It's not a trick question. No. Dude, that's like so 10 years ago or something. Facebook, thank you, Jack. You had to have a pastor answer the question. Jack, thank you. He sits up here to, to tell me when I'm saying things wrong and to fill in when, when nobody else knows. Facebook is the largest online community in the world. It has like 1.8 million people in this community. Here's the, here's the crazy thing. We did some, some searching this week. There's 7.4 million people in the world today. Billion. Oh, back up, back up. 7.4 billion people in the world. Facebook has 1.8 billion people. I wondered why you shook your head when I said that. So like 23 or 24.3% of the world is on Facebook. That's a huge com- community, isn't it? But here's the problem that we have. Even though we have these huge communities... Even though we, we have the ability to jump online and connect with people all over the world, research and studies show that we are the most loneliest people in all of history. Consider that. There's, there was this article, and it was titled, Chronic Loneliness is a Modern-Day Epidemic. And, and in the article, this neuroscientist named John, Italian name, okay? I, I've tried all week to learn his name. A lot of I's and O's together, a lot of P's and C's that you have to do this. You know, so I just didn't even try. But this neuroscientist, here's what he said in this article. He says, humans were not designed to be solitary creatures. 
We've evolved in, to survive in tribes. The need to interact is deeply ingrained in our genetic code. And you know, when this guy made that quote, when he said that, you know he was actually agreeing with God. He probably didn't know it, but he was agreeing with God. In, in the story of creation in Genesis, God created, you know, the heavens and the earth, and the day ended, and he said, man, that was good. God created the fish and the animals and the birds and said, man, that was good. But there was a point where God said, there's something that's not good. And in Genesis 2, here's what God said. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. God created us to be in relationship, in community with each other. But we're still lonely. This psychologist, Sherry Turkle, wrote a book titled Home, or Home Alone, <laughs> Alone Together. So she wrote this book, Alone Together. In her book, here's what, she, here's what she shares. She shares that research, her research showed that modern-day technology, we have traded this, a relationship with our, our cell phones and with our, our, our iPads and with our, our computers. We've traded this, our, our relationships with, with each other, for a relationship with our devices. Has anybody seen that in our society? My dad bans me. I still do it, but he bans me from going fishing with him with my cell phone. Because one time we went fishing together and my phone rang the whole time and I was on the phone while we were fishing. But, but we see this every day, don't we? We see that people go to restaurants and everybody's sitting on their phone instead of talking to each other at the table. Is there a picture up there showing that? You've seen this, right? We see that we can walk down the street and we have this ability to walk a straight line while we text. We've actually learned, this is what she discovered, we've learned how to text while keeping eye contact with people. My friend Dave right here has this special like phone or phone in his watch. And when I'm having lunch with him, he's constantly doing this. And I'm thinking, dude, am I boring you? Like, man, I'm not that boring. But because, you know, he gets his emails and texts and this, and so he's always doing this. We've, We've traded personal relationship, community with individuals for community online. My, my kid, my, my son was telling me this just today. He must have heard it in school. There was this Korean couple in 2010 that were arrested because they, their daughter, three-month-old daughter, was found dead in the home. And when, the, when they came in, the, the authorities came in, they found that the baby was died of starvation and malnutrition. And what they discovered was that the reason this kid was left by itself to die in starvation is that the Korean couple had gotten so involved with online virtual life that they were so busy raising a virtual child online that they they neglected to raise their own child. There's a problem in our society that we're lonely, that even with everything at our fingertips, we, we, we lack the community that God set up. I was in a restaurant one time, and this, this girl... For the better part of five minutes, I watched her taking selfies. And she did the, you know, where she straightened. I can't straighten my hair, but where she straightened her hair. And she did the duck, what's it called? The duck lips, is that correct? And she would take a selfie, and then she would look at it, and she would delete it. She did this. And, and here's what I know happens. We, we take these pictures, we put them up on Facebook in hopes that people would respond. Oh, you're such a beautiful lady. Oh, you're wonderful. And when they do, we feel loved, and we feel encouraged, and then that just fades away to a loneliness, doesn't it? On, online, our social interaction with people kind of boils down to a thumbs up or an LOL. But it's not the way God had created us to be. He created us to live lives in committed community. Over the past few weeks, here's what we've been doing here at Branches. We've been trying to answer the question, what does an all-in follower of God look like? So if, if you say, man, I'm all-in for God, 
What does it look like? And we've been looking at Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. The first week, here's what we discovered. We discovered that a follower of God is a worshiper of God. A follower of God worships, worships him. They understand who, who God is in their life. They understand that Jesus is their Savior, that Jesus died for them, and they worship God. They understand and have experienced the Holy Spirit. Last week, you guys, were, you guys missed it by one week. Last week, we talked about that an all-in follower of God is a generous person. We talked about giving and money and that sort of stuff. So you guys, you guys missed it. You guys were kind of lucky. But, but we talked about that if you're all-in for God, you're a generous person. And we're looking at Acts chapter 2. Here's, here's what I want to talk about this morning, that an all-in follower of God is a person devoted to community. Okay, a person devoted community. That's, that's kind of our take home. That's kind of our, our big idea for the day. That If you're all in follower of God, you're, you're a worshiper of God, you're a generous person, and you're devoted to a community, a, a church community. Easter is, what, a month away? Less than a month away. It's on the 16th. Here's a, here's a secret. Easter for Christians is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big thing. It's kind of like the Super Bowl of Sunday services for us. Here's why. You ever, you know, the Super Bowl, you don't watch football all year long. But then the Super Bowl comes, everybody gets excited and watches the Super Bowl. Easter's the same way for, for, for the church. People will not go to church all year long. And for some reason, on Easter Sunday, they decide they're going to get up and go to church. So as, as the church, as God's people, as God's representatives, I, I, I have this desire that we at Branches here would be prepped and ready and excited to receive anybody that would walk through the door and say, I'm going to give this church thing a try, whether it's just because it's tradition, because their mom asked them to go to church, because it's just what they've done as a little kid. They go to Easter Sunday. But my goal is that we will be prepped and ready and excited to to be the church, to be the people of God that God's called us to be on that Sunday morning when when people walk through the door. I I think we owe it to, to the mothers that have been praying for their kids. I heard a pastor preach one time and said, if, if I don't preach my 100% best on a Sunday morning, I could be ripping off a mother who's been praying for years for their son or daughter to go to church. And if that son or daughter walks into this church, I better have my game on. And, and, and as a church, Easter's our big deal. So I want us to be ready for that. And the way we're doing that is looking at what an all-in follower of God is in Acts. So here, here's, here's the breakdown of Acts chapter 2, if you have it. In the beginning of Acts chapter 2, you have the believers of, of God, the, those that believed who Jesus was, waiting for this promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And then, boom, it happened. A big deal, big explosion. It was rocking people. People were, were speaking in tongues. There was all this weird stuff going on. And Everybody around was watching what, would ha- what was happening, and they were in awe of what the heck was going on. And so this guy named Peter, Peter was a, a disciple of Jesus. He walked along with Jesus. Peter got up and started to preach a message. And Peter preaches this message, and you can read it, and he preaches this message, and he's, he's quoting Old Testament scripture so that the people listening would have known what he's quoting. And he's basically saying, the Messiah was Jesus. The, actually, the one you guys killed, he was him. G- God God actually put his hand on him. We saw him do his work. He was the one. And the people got excited. And that's where we're going to pick it up in verse 37. The people got excited. And here's what the people said. Peter's words pierced their heart. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. 
Then Peter continued to preach for a long time, strongly urging his listeners to save yourselves from this crooked generation. Verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, and it was about 3,000 people. Now, here's what I'm going to go out on the limb and, 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 and say. I believe that most of us have had some sort of an experience where we have heard about God, we've met Jesus in some way, and we've recognized what the people in, when Peter preached did, and that was that I need God, I need to repent, Jesus is the, is the Savior. You've come to that place. Maybe it was when you were a little kid in Sunday school, you heard a story and teacher asked you to raise your hand, or maybe in high school, a friend during high school told you about this Jesus, and you said yes to this Jesus. Or maybe as an adult, I think it's exciting when adults discover who God is in their life because they just, they jump all in. But you said yes to Jesus, and so what you did is at some point you did what Peter told the people to do. You repented of your sins, which basically means that you agree with God that he is right, and that Jesus was the Messiah, and that you were wrong, wrong, that you're wrong. And you agree with God that you are separated from him and that you want a relationship with him, and so you say yes to God so that you could enter into a relationship with him. And that's where we end in verse 41. We repent of our sins, and we become part of God's family. And then we, what we do is we look at church as, a, as an activity or an event to go to on Sunday morning. And we, we Say, I don't feel like going today. You know, I don't know if I want to go. I just, it's nice and comfy in my bed. But when we look at the believers of the early church, here's what we see. Because of the excitement they had for meeting God, because of the excitement they had of what life change was happening in them, they wanted all in. And being all in said, I have a need and I have a desire to be a part of a community of believers. And then they joined into the community. So, so how do we do this? If I'm going to say we need to do what the church did in, in Acts, we need to be a part, committed to a community, what do we do? We, we can look at further on in, in verse 42 and read about what the early church did. Here's what it says. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all, the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared in their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So here's what we're seeing from in 41, verse 41, they believe in God. They say yes to the Messiah. But in 42, they form a community that they can group together, that they have things in common. Now, think about the communities you're involved in. You're involved in that community because you have something in common with them, right? Next door, we have a community called Haymaker. It's a CrossFit gym. If you've ever done CrossFit, you're kind of an insane person. My, my take on you is that you love pain, you love agony, Brandon, and you love punishment, Okay. Because CrossFit develops all that in your life. But when we look deeper at the CrossFit gym, here's what we see. We say it's a community of people that would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and show up because they want to be physically fit. They want to be healthy. And also, because I hear them all day long, they encourage each other as they move towards their goal. We as a church, we can take some cues from a CrossFit gym. And we can say, what are they doing 
that's, that's encouraging them because we need to be the, a community of believers that do that. And the way we do that, we see this in verse 42, is that we become devoted. Here's, here's a take home. If you want to be a part of a community, you need to be devoted. Acts 42, let's read it again. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They've devoted themselves to the word of God and to the messages. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to hanging out with people, sharing their meals together, and they devoted themselves to prayer. And, then, and we read down what the rest of it the, they did in the community. Now, here's the thing. As a member of Facebook, I have hundreds and hundreds of friends. I made it a goal one time to see how fast I could get to 100. So I was befriending everybody I could, right? I've also unfriended many, many people. Because if somebody that's on my Facebook just starts, you know, putting junk up there and I just get tired of it, all I have to do is click, click, voila, they're gone out of my community. And here's what I wonder. I wonder if, if as followers of God, we treat the fellowship, the church that you're a part of, like we treat our relationships on Facebook. If everything's going good, if everybody's saying what I want to say, if I like the worship, if the preacher preaches good, if my children take care of, things are wonderful. But the minute maybe some, some waves come, we, we're ready to jump ship, it, aren't we? So, so here's the promise I need to make. If you're going to say yes to a, being devoted into a community and you're going to be devoted, here's what I'm going to promise you. That real community, you, there will always be conflict. And we have to just kind of understand that. We have to kind of toughen up and say, there's going to be conflict. You will not agree with everyone all the time. The beautiful thing about the church is that we are made up of all different walks of life, opinions, and, and social economic status, unlike most communities. Most communities, you know, we gather together because we all own yachts, and we're going to get together and smoke cigars and, and you know, sail. I don't even know. I couldn't even go there, you know. But you understand what I'm saying. We have something in common. The church... We come from all different walks of life, so we're going to offend each other. We're going to frustrate each other. You're going to find out that, man, communication is broken down. You're going to find out that that person said something about me behind my back, and if you're not devoted to being in a community of God's people, you will jump ship, and so you need to be devoted. If you were to read further in Acts, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that they weren't perfect. There was this couple who, while people were selling their property and, and giving the money to the, to the apostles so that all needs would be met, like we talked about last week, there was this couple who went and sold a piece of property. And they gathered their cash, and the husband decided he was going to go and give the money over to the church, to the, to, the, to, the, to the apostles. But on his way, him and his wife decided to skim a little and put it in their pocket. Now, it was their money to have. Nobody was telling them they had to do it, but they decided to put some money in their pocket. And... When he walked in and handed the money to the apostles, they said to him, is this all the money? Because the Holy Spirit told them that something was up. And, and, and he, said, he said no. And the guy fell dead on the ground right there. There's a problem in the church when people are falling dead during the service. We're going to have some cleanup to do, okay? And if we want to be God's people to the rest of the world, if somebody falls dead, we're going to be scrambling. And so that's what they did. Some young guys got the guy and wrapped him up and took him outside, dug a hole, and buried him. And they come marching back in. And just as they're finished burying the guy and come marching back in, this guy's wife shows up. He doesn't, she doesn't know her husband fell dead. And so the apostle said to him, hey, 
and you, your husband told us that you guys got this amount of money for your property. Is that true? And they had already agreed to, on the lie. And she said, yes. Boom, she falls dead. So now we have two dead people in one day during a church service. And these guys walk in and they see it, scramble together and they ship the body off. These people had real problems in their church. But they were devoted. If you read in Acts chapter 6, they had this as the church grew and people started coming in. They had different ethnic groups coming in. And some of the, the people went to the, went to the apostles and started complaining, saying, we think that our widows aren't getting fed properly. They're not getting their daily food simply because they're Greek. And they're being discriminated against from the, 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 the Jewish people. This is a real problem. The early church within the body of Christ, as they're being formed and as God's adding to them daily, they're discovering turmoil and problems, racial discrimination against people, old ladies. They had problems, and we're going to have problems. I'm going to offend you. If you decide Branches is your home church, I'm going to offend you. I could stand up here and for the next hour and a half start talking to you about since the day we started the really, really hard conversations I've had to have with people. Man, I've had to have some rough conversations that I always said, I never signed up for this. When I said, I, when I said yes to starting a church, I never talk, signed up for having to have really hard conversations with people. And in some of those conversations, people left. They got offended and left. Some of those, I've had some of those conversations with you guys sitting right here, and you guys have stayed, and it shows your maturity. It shows your devotion. We had a lady come to this church once. She came for four weeks. She had three or four kids. She was telling me, I love this church. I feel so loved. It's what I've been looking for. Then she disappeared. She's nowhere to be found. So after about two or three weeks, I email her. What had happened is that, that one last Sunday that she was here, two or three women, I'm just going to blame the women because I know it was women because she told me, they decided to ask her about her husband. Now, this lady was in the middle of a divorce. And it was still very raw for her. And it was still very painful. Now, I know for a fact that these women weren't trying to offend the lady because my wife was one of the women. She, she, you know, and Melissa Davison, where are you at? Because you were one of the women. Yeah, Melissa, you know it. They were trying to engage with this girl and just love on her. And, and it was just a simple, hey, so where's your husband? Boom, she got offended, gone. We're going to offend you. I'm going to say things while I'm standing up here that's going to cause you guys to go, oh, my daughter was teasing me this week. She goes, you know what, Dad? She says, words in your head, letters and words in your head get together, and they decide to take a stroll right out your mouth, and you don't think about it. <laughs> this is what my daughter told me. Does anybody remember the time I accused Judy of killing her husband? Yeah, that was a good one. We have a widow in our church named Judy. She's been sick. We need to be praying for her. But I actually kind of did one of these slips and, and trying to make a point pointed her out and said, and I was talking about how women in murder mysteries, it's always the wife that kills the husband. And I said, Judy, your wife's, your husband's dead, right? So I made this assumption that she killed her. Whoa, write that one up as something the pastor shouldn't say. I've, and, and, I, and I walk into a meeting afterwards and everybody's sitting there and, and they're going, Tom, what did you say? And I was oblivious. What? What? It was a good message. You accused Judy of killing her husband. I remember Brandon was saying, Tom, what's your problem? I was in turmoil for the next, that night and the next day, and I called Judy up. I said, Judy, how you doing? I love you. <laughs> Judy, did I offend you when I accused you of, of killing your husband? I had to call a couple other people, too, on this one. But here's the thing. Judy 
She cried on the phone. When I was writing this, I actually got teared up. She cried on the phone. She said, oh, Tom, I love you. It's okay. It's okay. I've wanted to kill him a few times. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't know if Judy would be here today, so I called her this week to see how she was doing. I said, Judy, I'm gonna, can I share the story with you? And she just laughed. and Oh, yeah, you go ahead and share it. You could call me anything you want. Just, she said this, just don't call me late for dinner. The typical <laughs> Judy, you know. We're going to offend you, but you have to be committed. You have to say, come hell or high water, this is my family. I'm going to be committed to this body. When I get offended, that's okay. I'm going to get over myself, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love the people around me. And that's what this early church was doing. And if you're going to be an all-in follower of Christ, you need to be committed. I know a lot of people, you guys go to different churches. Are you committed to your local church? Are you committed the way the, the people in the, in, the, in the early church were? What happened is the early church, they took verse 41. They met Jesus. And then they moved to verse 42. Here's my challenge. If you haven't moved to verse 42 of being devoted, being committed to, to a body, to a, a people, that's, that's the challenge for you to say, why am I not committed? Why do I think I can do this life on my own without somebody, without other people around me? Have I been offended? That's okay, I'll get over it. Am I gonna offend people? Yes, I'm gonna offend people. The early church, they were devoted people. Here's the other thing about the early church and about community, and I'm just about done. The early, early church had a mission. They had a mission, and that's what drew them together as a community of believers. Haymaker next door. Their mission is to be superhuman physically. My daughter and I watched a, a CrossFit world competition. People were, like, these people were the most fittest people in the world, and they were falling on the ground being carried off in stretchers, and they were okay with it. You're laugh, Brandon's laughing because he knows it's true. They push each other. They encourage each other. They hold each other accountable. Here's the mission at Branches. Our mission is the same mission that the early church had. Our mission is that we want to love God. We want to be worshipers of God. When we come in here together as a group, we want to be so focused on our goal today is to lift God up and to worship God together as a family. Our mission is we want to love people. We want, to, we want to gather in community and love the people that God brings in. We want to gather together and love each other, despite that Tom says stuff on stage that offends everybody. In spite of your feelings towards somebody, we want to love each other. And our mission is that we want to bring people into God's family. We want to be, we want, when, when that person walks through the door that says, what is this church thing? And they see a community of God's people loving each other and worshiping him, they say, that's what I've been looking for. It's not the Facebook relationships. It's not the relationships on Instagram. It's not this, the, the, all the other stuff I do within, within the internet. I want this real-life face-to-face relationship. And they say, I want to be a part of that. And that's our mission. And as a devoted follower of God in community, when life gets rough, we point to the mission. And we say, we're going to worship God. We're going to love others together. When somebody offends you, you look at the mission. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love others. When you feel like, man, I just can't go today, when I'm just not feeling good, wait, we have a mission, and people are counting on me. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love others. Here's my challenge. Here's what I want you guys to do, okay? I want you to evaluate through today and through the next the rest of the week, are you devoted to a body of, of, of believers called the local church? 
Are you devoted? Are you, have you said, I am locked down. These are the people I'm going to do life with. These are the people I'm going to hang out with. If, if you're a follower of God, if you've experienced God, you, 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 you will say, I have to be committed. I can't do life alone. I need people around me. I need to give what God's given me. Are you devoted? If you're not, start asking questions. Why am I not devoted? Who stole that, that need from me? Why do I feel like I can do life on my own? Ask yourself that question. If you're devoted and you, and you go to another church, go. Be a part. Serve. Be awesome. If you say, yes, you're devoted to branches, come back next week. Because the next step of a devoted follower of, of Christ is a, is a servant. And we're going to talk about that next week. So go ahead and stand with me. And we're going to wrap up there. We're in the home stretch, those of you guys that think, man, these people have long services. Home stretch. Here's what we're going to do. We have a final song of worship. It's just another time for us to worship as a group of people. If you, during this song, you just need somebody to pray for you. Life is rough. We all have gone through rough stuff this week. Life isn't always easy. It's never easy. There's always something that's hitting us, and we always need people to surround us. That's why we have community. We have, we'll have people here at the end of the song just feel comfortable to walk up, and somebody will pray for you. No judgment, no, no counseling. They're just going to pray and ask God to join and meet you, whatever your part of life you're at. If at the end of the song you want to continue to worship, you just feel like, man, I just want to kind of hang out. The band plays for a few more minutes. You could just stay in your seat and, and stay here as long as you want. If, if you're done, worship was awesome, child dedication, great, I'm ready to go, then when that song ends, you'll be dismissed. And if you could take your, your conversations out to the lobby, we, we could talk and be noisy out there, and we'll leave this space for, for those that need prayer and want to worship, okay? So let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. So, Father, we, it, it, is, it is my commitment to be devoted to, to this, this body. Lord, that regardless of, of my offenses or, or my, my weaknesses or, or what I think, I'm committed to the people that say yes to this body called branches. God, my prayer is that we would not just walk out of here forgetting what your word says, forgetting the example of, of, of the early church and how they, they united together, but we would evaluate and ask you about our commitments towards you and towards your people. And God, I know you're faithful to, to speak to us and to, and to share with us your heart towards our commitment in these ways. So God, would you, would you be speaking to each one of us as we seek you? Speaking to each one of us as we get over whatever hangups we may have about being committed face-to-face with your group of people. God, work in our hearts. We know you are a loving God and that this is for, for our benefit as well as your glory. So we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.